right? So that was the teaser, and uh, he'll, he'll share his uh, more in-depth testimony during our potluck, and you'll get to hear what, uh, what else happened in prison and afterwards and, and what he's up to now and how we as a church are supporting he and his ministry. So thanks for that, Mike. Uh, we are in the book of Habakkuk, if you would turn there with me in your Bible. <clears throat> the book of Habakkuk, chapter 1, and we'll actually cruise through chapter 1 and uh, into verse 1 of chapter 2 today. And uh, it's the third, third message in a series on the book of Habakkuk. Uh, the series tagline is From Worry to Worship. It's, uh, it's our hope that we, we will see and understand that there is a, is a deep concern and worry over sin in the world and a burden to share in that. But God, God is also drawing us uh, out of that burden and, and, and drawing us into His righteousness, into His peace. And that ultimately, through our faith in Christ, not only will, will we um, be able to be drawn from worry into worship, but uh, we will experience uh, paradise one day with Him forever. But that does not mean that it always will be paradise here, right? There's still in the midst of, of depth of drought and despair, uh, we can still worship. Uh, you'll notice actually the picture of the, on the front of your bulletin or on your notes. It's this, this desert with this tree that's just totally bare. And uh, Alistair picked that out. I thought it was great. But it was, a, it just, even in the barrenness of, uh, and, and the desert land, uh, we have hope in Christ. And we're going to see that hope uh, more and more clearly. Today, so we, this is number three in a, in a sermon series of eight. Uh, the first sermon we did was, was called The Burden of Sin. And it was Habakkuk. Uh, crying out to God and saying, God, what is going on? There's so much violence here. My own nation, your own people are violent and they're, they're treacherous and they're, they're just a debauched society. Uh, how, how long, he cried out, remember, how long are you going to put up with this, God? How long are you going to put up with this? And remember what I said there, and we'll talk about it a little more today. You know, like a parent or a good parent or, or God, he, he, yeah, we can say, how long are you going to put up with this? But God, meanwhile, is saying, how long are you going to do it? How long are you going to continue in these ways? It's not his desire. His desire is for us to, to turn from those sins and, and come to faith in Christ and come to be, be believers of, of him and put him first to be a people of his own possession. But we choose to go a different way. And he says, how, how long? Yeah, you want something different, but you're, you're saying, saying that you want something else by your actions, right? So these people were, were living in a different way. They were actually looking to and mimicking other nations. And, and mimic, mimicking the violence there. And then that led us to the next uh, sermon. It was, it was not only that we see the burden of sin, we see the judgment over sin or judgment of sin, where God responds back to Habakkuk. He, he doesn't explain himself, but he says, here's the revelation I'm going to give you. You wanted violence. Your nation, and, and Habakkuk is a faithful remnant. He's of the faithful ones that say, God, I still, I still think you're God. I still think you're awesome. I still, I still want to worship you. I want our nation to be that nation. But as a whole, that nation was not. And they were looking to other nations and mimicking them and abandoning God. And God says, there's going to be judgment for that. And basically, he said, you wanted violence. You looked out to violence and you wanted violence. Guess what? You got it. You're going to get it. And, and he's telling Habakkuk, and, and, and Habakkuk tells his people, there is going to be the, the Chaldeans who are way more treacherous than you. Like they started long before you started. And they've gone down this, the rabbit trail right way farther than you have. And, and they're going to be the ones that come as an in, my instrument of justice on Israel. I'm going to judge Israel with these treacherous, even, even worse people. Because you're supposed to be a people of my own possession. And you're mimicking them. If you want them, here they come. Now, Habakkuk hears that. And, see, and we see last week this deep judgment. And, and we, it, was, it was tough, right? This text is tough to hear especially for a lot of us who are Americanized in Christianity, where it's like this kumbaya message, God loves everybody, let's be comfortable and happy and cheerful and have a potluck. 
which is great. But if we don't hit the text, if we don't see what is implied here, we miss the grace of God. And when God's judgment was, was announced, this, this judgment was announced for, for the wickedness, for forsaking God, and it was a deep, brutal judgment. That's what we saw last week, that God's judgment over sin is deep and it is brutal. And we, we understand that because Christ, Jesus, went to the cross and suffered and died there for our sin. He took on the wrath of God on himself so that you and I could be free. The penalty was paid on Jesus. But God's wrath is, is harsh. It is brutal. His judgment is brutal. And we have to understand how astounding God's judgment is. But in the same breath, last week, what did we say? Just as astounding and brutal as God's judgment is, it shows us how astounding and amazing His mercy and grace are. And, and it's, it paints a bigger picture, a better picture, a clearer picture of grace and mercy. Because here, here's the truth. We looked at this last week. If, if His judgment wasn't so brutal, His grace wouldn't be so impressive. If Jesus only had to pay $5 for our sin... Okay, big, I could do that, Jesus. Jesus had to suffer and die because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So where there's astounding judgment, there's astounding mercy. So, so God responded back to Habakkuk explaining this. And Habakkuk still is reeling with this. And today we're going to see where he picks up and encounters back to God with his complaint and, and says, God, I, I'm seeing just this whole reversal like like we're supposed to be a people of your own possession we're supposed to be yours we're supposed to be um, a part of this covenant relationship with you and now you're bringing people who are totally unrighteous and coming to have them judge us and and what they do is worse than what we do you're using that i thought you were purer than that so he's seeing like is god inconsistent because there was a an order of things the way god created it to be and now he's seeing that this has been reversed so today's message is about the reversal of the created order and we're going to see how that plays out today. I want to read uh, Habakkuk 1, 12 through uh, 2, 1. Uh, before, before we do that, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for this time you've given us to come together, to, to study your word, and, and God, to let it penetrate our hearts. God, I, I pray today, and I, I know this is a tough passage, but God, I pray today that, that we would see you for who you are. That God, that we would leave behind anything that we brought in God, any desire or preference or idea that, that somehow shapes you into something else that you're not. God, we ask that you would open our hearts to be receptive to you and to your truth. Convict us of sin. God, convince us of your righteousness and your truth. Conform us into the image of the Son, Jesus. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this, uh, it, it's it, every time I... I endeavor to preach, I, I want to make sure that we understand that the gospel is clearly laid out, and, and that the gospel should become clearer and clearer. We should get a bigger, better picture of the gospel every time we go to God's Word. And it doesn't matter if we're in a gospel, or in the New Testament, or in the Old Testament, or if we're studying a minor prophet book like Habakkuk, the gospel is here. And it should help us form a bigger picture of what that is, because if, like Paul says, the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, we better get a good idea of what that looks like. Amen? So my, my goal, and, I, and this was a long time ago, I had this, this uh, verse written out. Uh, Paul, Paul quoted this. He said, uh, pray for me that I would fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. You know, even today, we're going to be talking about some hard subjects, some things that we kind of think maybe are taboo and we, we shouldn't bring up and shouldn't talk about because we're too judgmental. We, but we're going to be talking about some difficult things today. 
But when we do that, here's what I want you to understand. This is not about saying, this is what's right and this is what's wrong and everyone else is, is toast. And just being in that really harsh, judgmental, dogmatic way. With Paul, I want to fearlessly make known the gospel. See, to me, the thing of paramount importance is for you and I to know the gospel best. Right? Everyone wants to, they, they quote this, like, no one, no one cares what you're against until they know what you're for, right? They, they'd rather them know what I'm for than what I'm against. At the same rate, there's astounding judgment and there's astounding mercy. So for us to clearly understand the gospel, we have to clearly understand what is not the gospel. Do we understand that? So we're going to venture down some, some tough places. With that said, I also want to encourage more conversation. I, along with other elders or your Sunday school teachers, your small group leaders, your friend in the pew, make sure you don't walk out of here thinking, oh, that was harsh, a bunch of hate speech, because we're talking about the Word of God today. Make sure you have the conversation. Make sure you know that our doors are open to have loving, gentle conversations regarding these topics. Understand? I want you to know that, that the doors are open for that conversation. We should desire that. <clears throat> but it is often a tough, a tough topic to discuss. So today we're going to be looking at the reversal of the created order. Let's go ahead and look at Habakkuk chapter 1. We'll read 12 through uh, chapter 2, verse 1. He replies back to the Lord, Are you not from eternity, Lord my God? My Holy One, you will not die. Lord, you appointed them to execute judgment. My rock, you destined them to punish us. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil, and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent while one who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself? You have made mankind like the fish of the sea, like marine creatures that have no ruler. The Chaldeans pull them all up with a hook, catch them in their dragnet, and gather them in their fishing net. That is why they are glad and rejoice. That's why they sacrifice to their dragnet and burn incense to their fishing nets. For by these things their portion is rich and their food plentiful. Will they therefore empty their net and continually slaughter nations without mercy? I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the lookout tower. I will watch and see what he will say to me and what I should reply about my complaint. All right, let's, let's talk about this. We're, we're looking at the reversal of the created order, what, what God has established and what God has intended, especially for those who are people for his own possession, for those who would be Christ followers, who follow him in faith. So number one, the reversal of the created order we see a failure to acknowledge the Lord. We, we see a failure to acknowledge the Lord. And this isn't just one of those nonchalant, oh, I guess he's there. This word for Lord is Yahweh. This is the, the self-existent one, the one who is from forever to forever, the name that's above every name, the God that's above every God, Yahweh. He cries out. Look, look at what Habakkuk does. And I want, us, I want us to see and remember, Habakkuk is a faithful remnant. So he is not reversing the created order, but he's, he and maybe a, a few are the only ones who aren't. The reversal of the created order, people fail to acknowledge the Lord like Habakkuk does here. Look how he acknowledges, and this is what we should endeavor to do, acknowledge the Lord in this way. He says, are you not from eternity, Lord, my God, right, Yahweh? Are you not the self-existent one? Are you not the God above everything else? Do I not put my faith and trust in you? He says, my Holy One, you will not die. Other translations uh, are translating it 
that we shall not die. Either translation can work there. One, of course, God does not die. God's eternal, although he did come to die, didn't he? God did come to die, and he gave himself on this cross, and then he didn't stay dead, though. He rose from the dead, because God can't die and stay dead. But when you look at it the other way and say, well, we shall not die, it works also because Habakkuk knows that, that these are a, in the covenant relationship he has with God, that they are a people for his own possession and that they are going to continue. Even a remnant will continue. And, and God's people, out of God's people, Israel, will be the blessing of many nations and the Messiah will come. He knows that. He holds on to that. So what he's seeing is God, God telling him, listen, this other nation, the ones you've been looking to for, uh, for advice and the ones you've been mimicking, they're going to come and tear you apart. They're going to take you out of this land. They're going to swallow you up, and you are going to be exiled. You're going to be gone. Habakkuk says, how, how does that work? How, that's, that seems inconsistent with us being the promised people who, who a blessing is going to come from. He's questioning God. He's wondering, God, how does this make sense? He goes on, Lord, you appointed them to execute judgment. My rock, you destined them to punish us. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You, you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent while one who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself? He's saying, God, you, you don't tolerate sin. And Habakkuk knows that. That's why he cried out, how long, God, are you going to tolerate sin? And God's like, yeah, I, I keep coming and telling you I don't tolerate sin, but you keep on sinning. If you want it, you're going to get it. Here they come. But Habakkuk says, this seems inconsistent with you as a holy God. Well, my holiness and my compassion have run out. Remember last week we looked at uh, a verse in 2 Chronicles. I want to read this again. During this time period, it was, it, it was absolutely a compassionate God reaching out to his people. It wasn't just like, you, you messed up, okay, we're going to squash you. Here's what happened. When, in 2 Chronicles, it's in your notes also. Uh, All the leaders and the priests of the people multiplied their unfaithful deeds. So this is after a good king, a bad king comes around, and everyone says, ah, let's do whatever we want again. And they said they multiplied their unfaithful deeds, imitating all the detestable practices of the nations. And they defiled the Lord's temple that he had consecrated for Jerusalem. But the Lord, here, here's where God's compassion comes in. Here's where we see him reigning. But the Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word against them by the hand of his messengers, sending time and time again. Do you see God's compassion? Do you see God's grace, His, his pursuit of His people? It's in full view. And, and think about that for you and I. There, there's often times where we have sinned or erred or we were far from God, and God continued to come after us, continued to pursue us. And, and that's why we're here, because God grabbed us and got a hold of us. And God saved us by His mercy. God's wanting that. God's pursuing His people. But His people are saying, yeah, don't want that. And, and this is all about failing to acknowledge the Lord as, as God, but failing to bow before Him. We would rather be God, right? It goes on. So time and time again, He had compassion on His people and on His dwelling place. But they kept ridiculing God's messengers, despising His words, and scoffing at His prophets until the Lord's wrath was so stirred up against His people that there was no remedy. So He brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans. God tried time and time again. God pursued time and time again. He had compassion time and time again. But God's people failed to acknowledge him as Lord. Instead, they ridiculed God's messengers, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets. This is how the reversal of the created order starts. When we decide, 
God's not really God. I'm going to be God. I'll mock whoever says something about God. I'll mock whoever comes to me and wants to tell me the truth. I'm going to scoff at them. Oh, I'm going to ridicule them. I'm going to dismiss them. Uh, even the prophets, they were killed because they came to say those things. Much like today, people don't want to hear the truth of God's word. Paul, Paul says it in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, he says, But know this, hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, uh, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of self rather than lovers of God, holding, for, holding unto a form of godliness. Like, oh, I'll take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and mix it in, put it on my shelf. But denying its power, avoid these people. As we pursue the rest of this text, I, I want us to, to clearly see something here. As we decide to not acknowledge God, Yahweh, as Lord, as we decide to not place Him where He should be placed in our lives, what we are doing is saying, I don't love God more than I love the world. In fact, what I love is I love the world more than God. And if you see the passage in Timothy, they, they were lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. It does not say they were lovers of pleasure and a little bit of God, or they were a little bit love with pleasure and mostly with God. It can't mix. You're either going to be a lover of pleasure and self, or you're going to be a lover of God and live by faith. That's the message here. So as we go through the rest of this, it's important. Why that message is important is because it, it shows the purity of the gospel. It shows the, and we got to protect the purity and the unity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is not Jesus plus some other things I bring along with. The gospel is Jesus Christ alone. And he becomes the most satisfying. For Israel, they said, eh, I'll discount that. I want to watch the other nations. I want to see what they do. They look like they're having fun. I'm going to do that too. It happens at a small level here. We look at our neighbors and what they have and with the way they live, and we, we covet that, or we get jealous, and we want what they have, so we start imitating, or friends at school, or, or wherever we might be. Instead of saying, you know what? I just want to follow Jesus. I just want to let Him be Lord and tell me what He wants me to do, and I will follow. I will trust and obey. That is not what is happening here. They, would fail, they failed to acknowledge the Lord as the Lord. Number two, reversing the created order, what we see is an abandonment of roles. We see an abandonment of roles here. Go back to Habakkuk, you're in, in verse 14. He says, God, you've, you've made mankind like the fish of the sea, like marine creatures that have no ruler. You see, God didn't intend that. He, he intended it to be opposite, that man would rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the land, that he would steward it well. But he wouldn't be God. God would still be God, and, and then man would be his stewards of his creation. That's what he intended all along. But when we fail to acknowledge God as God, we abandon the call and the roles that he has for our lives. Uh, the book of Genesis describes this role, and Habakkuk knows this. He knows how God created it, the created order of things, and what he sees is the reverse of that happening because people have abandoned God and not acknowledged God. Well, here's what Genesis says. Then God said, this is Genesis 1, 26 to 28. He said, let us make man in our image. There's the Trinity showing up right there. According to our likeness, they will rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created them. 
God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Now listen, here's what's interesting. As we talk about this, the reversal of the created order, I said it, it, it makes us abandon roles. When, and this is a tough topic. When we start talking about roles and, well, you're male, I'm female, and you, I can do what you can do, and I can do it better, and we start having these fights, aren't, right? This is, not, this is not about equality. I need you to understand that. This is not about equality. And the argument for it is not about equality. The argument against having gender roles is about sameness, the desire that says we are the same. When God said, I made them male and I made them female, I made them different. Equal, but different. So let's, let's make sure we understand that this is not about equality. This is not hate speech saying we're not equal. It's just saying we're different. And God has roles for us. But what happens when the society abandons God? Well, they flip a reversal on the created order, don't we? So now we have people confused about gender roles, parenting roles, sexual roles, stewardship roles. How do we take care of what God has called us to take care of? How do we do what God has called us to do? We've just flipped it and said, I, I'm going to abandon those roles. I don't, I don't know what's, what's up, what's down, who's in charge. We'll just go about our business. And what happens is we abandon it because we want what we want. There's a, a preference or a comfort in, in doing something maybe sinful or wrong, or pushing a different agenda. So God said, here's the roles I've created. I, I wanted you to have these roles, but yeah, you've abandoned God, so these roles are changing. You're going to now be treated like the fish of the sea. You should be ruling over the fish of the sea, but you're going to be treated like that, because you pursued something that wasn't good for you. You pursued something that wasn't what I wanted for you. You've abandoned the created order, and you've abandoned your roles. So eventually, that will lead to someone else who says, I've also done that, and I'm just going to lord it over you. You see how that happens? If we, if we would submit to the roles God has given us, and we would say, listen, I'm, I'm going to love people, and I'm going to serve people, and we're going to be humble with one another, and we're going to go to a, a source of truth that's, that's for everybody. There would be proper governing as well. And when someone wants to lord it over, that's wrong. That They're held accountable for that. But when we decide we're going to take what's true and, and throw it out the window, and we're going to mimic other nations or other people, and we're going to sin because we have, have a preference to do that, and, and for some reason that makes us feel good, at least for a little while, eventually we're going to be the ones feeling bad because someone else, at the expense of someone else, or expense of us, someone else wants pleasure, right? And they'll lord it over us. It comes from mocking and scoffing and not taking the Lord's call seriously. And because we're not taking our roles as people for God's own possessions seriously, the created order is going to wind up reversed. That's what happens. It just flips. And God knows that. And how is it consistent with God? Well, there's another prophecy in Amos. Chapter 4, he says, The Lord is sworn by His holiness. Look, the days are coming when you will be taken away with hooks, every last one of you with fish hooks. Because you're, you're going to get exactly what you wanted. It's not really exactly what you wanted, is it? But, but it is what you wanted. This is what it, where it ends. And we, we don't like to say that. We don't like to admit that. We, we like to say, I'm going to get what I wanted, and it's, a, it's, it's great, it's wonderful, it's comfortable, it's satisfying, but down deep it's not. And we, we continue to pursue what we think might be, or get more of it, or, or twist it a little more. And then we hide things that, that look too bad. It's like, oh, it's not really happening. 
Let's not talk about that aspect of it. You know the suicide rate is crazy right now? Immense. Oh, because we're, do, we're doing everything right. Because we got things under control. Because we know what we know. We know what's good and what's bad. I don't think so. I don't think so. Slavery. Modern day slavery. You know there's more slaves in the world right now than ever has been in human history? It's a real story. It's really happening. Sex slavery, slave slavery, whatever kind of it, drug, drug abuse. People being used for the advantage of other people. That's exactly what's going to be happening here in our next point. We're going to see that. Human slavery is happening. Even in our own country, right? You'll hear stories of, of, of women or children being abducted, never to be seen again in some drug house being used as a prostitute. They're being abused for someone else's pleasure, for someone else's gain. That is where our sin leads. Oh, no, 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 it's not my sin. No, your sin. My sin. That's where that will lead. When we abandon God and say, I will be my own God, and we abandon our roles, that is exactly where it will lead, and we will reap what we sow in the despair of it. That is point number three. We go there. The reversal of the created order is all about the satisfaction of the flesh. It's all about the satisfaction of the flesh. I've got to have it. I've got to have more. I want to be comfortable. I want to have pleasure. I want to have money. I want to have wealth. I want to, I want to have whatever, ego. That's where it leads. So look at verses 15 and 16. God said it was going to happen. And here it is in verses 15 and 16. The Chaldeans put, pull them all up with a hook. Catch them in their dragnet and gather them in their fishing net. That is why they're glad and rejoice. That is why they sacrifice to their dragnet and burn incense to their fishing net. For by these things, those created things, by these things their portion is rich and their food plentiful. These dragnets and fishing nets have become their God. Their pleasure has become their God. And they'll do whatever it takes to get it. So they go in and they capture nations and they literally... They put hooks in their nose or in their lip and string them along and drag them along into captivity. They take nets and they put people in nets and they just drag them in nets to captivity. We talked about it like last week or the week before. When they capture kings, they, they, they would capture kings and put them in a cage just to show the whole world, look at all these kings that we've captured. We're collecting kings to show you how brutal we are. And this is how they get their wealth and their pleasure and their esteem. This is what they value. And people will do whatever sin they can in order to find what they value and find something satisfying. But it never, ever satisfies to the fullest extent. 1 John 2.16 says this, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I, I want to contrast this again. This is not like, I love Jesus, but I've got, I've got some things going on here that I really want to still deal with and still, still have in my life. There, there is a separation. It is, it is black and white with Jesus in the gospel. Jesus does not say, come to me with all your baggage and keep it. He says, come, bring it and forsake it and trust me with everything. That's what the gospel is. So for us to protect the purity of the gospel and the purity of the gospel message is not to say, well, Jesus and this stuff, we're okay with this too. No, we're not. Let Jesus tell us what's okay and what's not okay. That's what we ought to be doing this, uh, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For the love of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's possessions is not from the Father. You see, we can't have it both. We want the Father, we'll get the Father. You want the world, you're going to get the world. And the things of the world are not from the Father, but it's from the world. 
And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. What it's saying is you'll find satisfaction, at least temporarily, in the world. But it's not of the Father, because in the Father you'll find full satisfaction that will never, ever disappoint. But it takes our hearts yielding and saying, okay, God, I'm going to be yours. I'm not going to be yours plus a little of mine and theirs and that, and I I just want to be yours fully. And what we understand also is this this idea of satisfying the flesh, it never, ever satisfies. When we pursue sin for pleasure, we can never get enough. That's what leads us to number four. The reversal of the created order shows the relentlessness of it. It's relentless. Go on in verse 17. So they've got them in their dragnets, they they're, they're love that, they're satisfied, and then he says, well, they... Therefore, empty their net and continually slaughter nations without mercy? Yes, they will. Do you know why they'll continually do it? Because they can never get enough. When we reverse the created order, when we abandon God, abandon our roles, and we succumb to the flesh, we become relentless in pursuing whatever else might satisfy us. But it never, ever will be good enough. It will never fill us completely. It's relentless always hungry, never satisfied. Philippians chapter 3, 18 to 20 says this, For I've often told you, and I say again now with tears, that many live as enemies to the cross of Christ. Okay, it's not like partially enemies and kind of not. It's either either on on the right camp or you're on the wrong camp. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things. They want pleasure. Their God is their pleasure. And, and this is, this is going to lead us in this next passage of Scripture. We, we, we have so many things that we set up as our God that are not God, that are actually sin. And those things we set up as God that are sin will not get us the real gospel. It will never satisfy us. We've got to let go of those things. Paul encouraged, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. When we choose something that isn't God, we will never be full and never be satisfied. That's why sin becomes more and more accepted and more and more prevalent. It's like, well, we all thought this would be okay, but we didn't get it there. We couldn't, couldn't get filled there, so let's, let's move it a little further. Okay, this will be good. Oh, no, I didn't get there. Let's move it a little further. And before we know it, we, are, we have spiraled out of control trying to hide the fact of how bad we are, and we're all still empty. God says, just come to me. I, I'm the one that's the source. I'm, I'll, I will fully satisfy you. So as we go on, I want you to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 1, if you would, please. And again, I, I really want you to hear me on this. I, I want us to understand more clearly the gospel today. If, if the gospel is the power of God, we want to see that power in, in full, full force today. And, and we're going to see what the gospel is, and we're going to see what the gospel is not. And And in reading this, here's what I understand. This is God's Word. We should love this. We should desire this. This should be the food that we eat. But so often, even pastors like me skip this part of Scripture. So this is too uncomfortable. We don't want to talk about this. This is going to ruffle feathers. I'm not putting your feathers as my God. God is my God, and I have to answer to Him for this, and so do you. But we have to be very clear about what the gospel is. And as as I go through this, as I read this text in Romans 1, what I want us to get is this. Although some people will say, well, that's just hate speech. 
if you stood up and read this in a university class, you would probably be kicked out because of hate speech. It's just God's word. But what I want us to see is, sure, it talks about sin, but it talks about the grace of God and the power of God unto salvation for all who would believe in Him. And that should be our focus. The focus should be, how, how do we get the power from the gospel of Jesus? So let's, we're going to read this t- together, Romans 1, starting in verse 16. We, we let Habakkuk speak, and he's shown us how reversed and crazy the world is, and even how he feels maybe it's inconsistent the way God is judging. And Paul now, writing to the Romans, the, the church in Rome, as he, he brings this up, he's given his salutation, like greetings, grace and peace to you, and he comes on to this part. He starts out in, in, in this section, quoting Habakkuk. It's, it's a, a section of scripture you'll see next week, quoted when, when, uh, through that message. But he quotes it to set the stage. And, and as he quotes that and then begins to, to basically preach and teach through this letter, it is all about what it was going on in Habakkuk. But it was going on right there in Rome. And for you and I, it's happening here today. Verse 16. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. He's saying, listen, the gospel is rich. It's vibrant. There is so much power in the gospel. It is the only thing we need. It's everything we need. He says, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written. And here's the quote from Habakkuk. The righteous will live by faith. Now, now let's pause here a minute. I really, I want to urge you here. Paul is setting up the gospel as the most glorious, beautiful, wonderful thing. It's the power of God unto salvation because it gives us a righteousness that we could never earn on our own and never even find on our own except through in faith in Christ Jesus. And that's why he says the righteous will live by faith. So here's what he's fighting for. The whole rest of this, he is contending that the righteous will live by faith because through faith we find Christ's righteousness and in Christ's righteousness it is the power of the gospel for everyone who believes. That's what we're looking for. Paul says, I want to contend for that. I want to fight for this. Keep the gospel paramount. He says, here's what's not the gospel. The gospel's there, but here's what happens. He says, for God's wrath is revealed from heaven against godlessness and unrighteousness. So we're talking about godlessness, right, and unrighteousness, things that don't happen through people that live by faith, by people, or uh, of people by who, who by their own right unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what has been made. Paul's saying, listen, there's a righteousness to be had, there's a gospel that's powerful, but people are suppressing it. They're suppressing that, that truth. And, and it's through this unrighteousness, through this desire for something more. Even, even through that desire, God is still revealing himself to people, saying, here I am, here I am. I'm, I'm sending messengers. Don't ridicule, don't mock. Trust and believe in me. As a result, people are without excuse, for though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. This is, this is what happens when we when we decide to throw God aside and say, I don't want that. That truth's not real. It's not for me. It's for somebody else. It's, it's for a different time. It was that cultural thing. 
when we say that, when we push that off, our hearts get numb. And we go deeper down this rabbit trail of despair. And God's like, you're choosing where you want to go. You're choosing the way you want this to go. They did not show, uh, for though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God or show gratitude. Instead, they became darkened, right? Claiming to be wise, verse 22. We're at that darkened place. Our hearts are numb. And we claim to be wise. They became what? Fools. Now, in, in the next few verses, we're going to see three exchanges happen here. Paul, Paul understands the reversal of the created order that Habakkuk was talking about. And Paul brings it up right here again. So the three, four points that we've already talked about are coming up again in Paul's letter to the Romans. And I want you to track with me. There's three exchanges that happen here. Right? Claiming to be wise. We've got this handled. We've got it figured out. They became fools. And, verse 23, first exchange. They exchanged, ex- exchanged? <laughs> they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images result, resembling mortal birds and man, or sorry, man, birds, four-legged animals and reptiles. First exchange, people exchanged the glory of God, the power of the gospel, the righteousness that's in Christ. They exchanged the glory of God for created things, for creatures, for other things to be worshipped. That's the first exchange that happened. We saw that in Habakkuk. Going on, verse 24. Therefore, because they exchanged that, God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity so their bodies would be degraded among themselves. Verse 25, next exchange. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. I want you to think here. The first exchange says, the glory of God, okay, God might be out there, but I really want what I want. I'm going to exchange the, the creator, the glory of God, for the creation, the creature. And I'm going to worship it, whatever that is. Whatever sin that is, whatever idol it is, I'll worship that. But, but the problem with that is, well, I've still got this truth sitting here. I've still got something that says contrary to that. So what exchange do I need to make now? I'll exchange the truth of God for a lie. That's what they did. They exchanged the truth of God for lies. So now, they're not only not, only not accountable to a God, because they're, they're to a, cre- a creature in their own sense, they have no accountability to a written rule or law. They said, we don't need those ra- rules. We don't need those laws. Those are outdated. We'll exchange the truth of God for a lie. It's a dangerous game we're playing, right? Going on. Verse 26, for this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. If you want to exchange the truth of God for a lie, listen, if you kick God out of the equation, and you kick truth out of the equation, what are you going to do? Whatever you want. Make something up. Do whatever you want. There is no God. There is no truth. You do whatever you want. So what did he do? He said, I handed them over to disgraceful passions. And here's the third exchange. When we get that far, here's what happens. The women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. The men in the same way also left natural relations with women and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty for their error. You see why this is skipped over so much in church? It's like, oh my goodness, we're talking about it. Yeah, it's God's word. It's got to go forward. We have to trust and believe. And, and, and I, I know it's a sensitive topic, but, but here's the point of this. Okay, and we're going to look at another list of things in a minute. 
they're defiled into homosexuality. This is, this is clearly speaking about homosexuality. And it's clearly speaking that it is sinful and shameful and against God's created order. It's clear that's in the scriptures right there. Again, open to conversations with you about it. If you want to come in and talk and reason and think through this, great. We want that. We want you to, to have that time to grow. But scripture is very clear on this subject. It is sinful. And it came from, it stemmed from exchanging the glory of God for the creature. And that creature was sex in any way or form, shape I want it to be. How, how far do we go with sexual identity outside of the created order? If anything goes, then anything is going to go. And we think, we think now, oh no, well, th- well this can't go. We're not going to allow this to happen. It's going that direction. You can, I mean, you can make up in your mind where you know where it's going. Pedophiles are saying, well, now, if they, if they get that, can't I? Well, what do, there's, there's actually people out there who are having sexual relations with trees. I'm not making this up. It is absolutely true. How far does this go? You're like, well, that's, ooh, that's icky. Okay, so you get to draw the line what's icky and what's not? How do you know what's icky? How do you know what's not natural? How do you know what's outside the created order? We know because God has put it in our heart. He's created us in his image, and he's, he has authority because he's God. And he says what's right and what's wrong, no matter what you or I say. He says it. And, and for us to understand this, when we embrace, even, so let's go further. There are other hot topics out there. There are other hot topics, not just homosexuality. And by the way, this is not, I'm not trying to be hate speech kind of guy today. I'm not trying to be political and say, you've got to vote for so-and-so and such and such. That has nothing to do with this. This is about, are we going to be God's people, a people for his own possession who embrace the gospel alone? Or are we not? That, that's what's at stake today. Other hot topics out there. Gender. I, I want to be a girl. I want to be a boy. I don't know what I want to be. What happens when we exchange the glory of God, we exchange it for the creature, the created thing. And that is a number of big topic issues. That's all across the board. I'll exchange it for whatever it is. Here we go. My body's my own. I, I get to make my own choice about my body. That's my creature now. That is a dangerous place to go. Scripture says you were bought, your, your body is not your own. You were bought as a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Scripture says that we are knit together in our mother's womb. And, and you know what? A minute ago, we, we thought it was horrifying that the statistics show that there are more human slaves right now than ever in human history. What about the 3,300 unborn children aborted in this country every single day? Every single day. Well, it's my right to choose. I, listen, we have to, we have to have a good conversation, a real conversation about a child, unborn child's rights, and a woman's rights. They're not either or. There's both. The question is: Are we going to set up the creature to be the worshipped, or are we going to say, you know what? I'm going to worship the Creator. I'm going to embrace the glory of God, and I'm not going to exchange the glory of God for the creature no matter what it takes. Gender, yeah, what, what do we become? What do we want to be? Do we want to live with our spouse or live, live with someone that's not our spouse and sleep with them or never throw marriage out the door? What, what about the institution of marriage? What about addiction? 
drug addictions and problems that are going all around the world that are, seem to be acceptable. Drug issues. The slippery slope of even things like marijuana. Where does this take us? How about pornography? It's interesting that we, we think, oh, what, what? and, and, and I, I've talked to some of you gals and your, who, your husbands have struggled in pornography. I've talked to some of you guys who your, your wives have struggled in pornography. We, we talk, we, the talk is there, and you're like, this is heart-wrenching. Then we, go, then we go commit adultery. Or we condone homosexuality in our ne- nephew or niece in our home. We, we, we can't be held, we, we can't give, be given that authority to judge where it's right and where it's wrong and, and where that line is drawn. We don't do well with that. But someone has already given us that line. And it's really a matter of the gospel. It's a matter of the gospel. As I mentioned earlier, suicide rates are extreme. When we exchange the glory of God for the creature and the truth of God for a lie, we take what the created order is and we throw it upside down and we end in despair. That is where it takes us. If, and, and listen, you still do have a choice. You get to choose what you're going to do. Are you going to exchange the glory of God for created things? Are you going to exchange the truth of God for a lie? Are you going to exchange the created order for whatever you want to call your order? You, I love you. You still get to choose that. But here's what the, Paul is saying. Here's what the gospel says. When you exchange the glory of God, you're exchanging it for something else that isn't the glory of God. And the gospel says, run to the glory of God. Run to the salvation of Jesus. Run to the forgiveness of Christ. Listen, there may be some of you in here who have had an abortion before. Scripture says that's murder. But Jesus' mercy is great. His forgiveness is great. That burden and that guilt and that shame that you feel does not have to continue to weigh you down. Jesus died for that. And it's time to turn away from the creature, the things that we want to follow and pursue, the pleasures that we think are better for us, and say, I'm forsaking all of that, and I'm going to run to Jesus. And whatever he is and whatever he wants, and I'm going to embrace him fully. And that's what Paul says. This is the gospel. And it's not even about the big hot topic issues. He started with homosexuality. Let's continue in our text. Verse 28. Because they did not think it worthwhile. Here this, 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 they got here because they didn't think it was worthwhile to acknowledge God. Then God delivered them over to the corrupt mind so they will do what is not right. They are filled with all unrighteousness. Now here's a list. If you think I'm just picking on a, abortion or sexuality, let's, let's look at this list. Because I know that these things in this list have become my creatures at times in my life. The created objects that I run after more than God. I've exchanged the glory of God for these things. And, I, and repentance means I'm exchanging it back. I'm getting rid of it. Evil, greed, wickedness. They are foul or full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful inventors of inventors of evil as if we didn't have enough evil inventors of evil where was i Invent, disobedient thank you disobedient to parents senseless untrustworthy unloving and unmerciful i want you to think about that think about how unmerciful especially even now like, like this is a big topic we're feeling a little bit of angst right now. I get it. 
And when and so maybe someone listens on the live feed or watches or hears it later, oh, they're a bunch of bigots, they're, they're a bunch of haters, right? Anyone that has a stance to worship the creator, the creatures, and not God, anyone who wants to be against God, will then be unmerciful for you and I who want to run to God and want to embrace God. They're unmerciful. Although they, uh, although they know God's just sentence, right, that the wages of sin is death, that those who practice these things will die, they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. That's what they want. They want, you know this, the pressure is on you and me as a Christ follower. All these practices that, that society says, well, we should just, let's make the line go over to accept that. Then they turn around and look us in the face and say, and you better be okay with it. And you better applaud this. No. That is not what God is asking us to do. God doesn't want us to worship the creature. He wants us to worship him as the creator. We have to run to him. Now, I want to mention one more thing with this. For you and I as Christ followers, listen, maybe you're in here today, side note, and, and you, you struggle with homosexuality. You struggle with maybe adultery or pornography or addiction to drugs or maybe you've, you've had an abortion or many. And you're just struggling with the guilt and shame and I don't know what to do with this. We want to have the conversation. We want you to know that you're loved. We want love to win in that way. But here's, I need you to understand something. It would be unloving for me and other Christians to say, well, I think, I think we'll be okay with this. Come on in. We'll figure this out and and, and maybe it's okay, we'll move the line a little bit. No. It, for me to present the gospel to you is forsake and run away from the creature and run to Jesus and let him sort it out. He's going to call you to let it go, though. Let go of your sin. Repent of your sin. Turn to him to be forgiven of your sin, and he will make all things new. For those of us that are Christ followers, we have to stop pandering to lost people who want us to accept their immorality. Because in doing so, we are saying, you know what, yeah, it, maybe it is okay to worship the creature too. It is not okay. That is not the gospel, and it is unloving for us to do that. For you and I, we have, have to urge people to run to the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. And the righteous will live by faith. We will go to him and we will run to him and we will live by faith. And he is mighty to save and he is eager to forgive and to heal. But it takes that exchange being exchanged. If we've exchanged the truth of God for a lie or the glory of God for creatures or natural relations for unnatural, we've got to repent of that and exchange it back for the glory of God, the glory of the glorious one. We have to understand that living by faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't mean exchanging him for the created things or even relentlessly bringing those things to him and saying, I'm here, Jesus, but I brought this with me. He's like, okay, now lay it down and let's, let's go. He wants us to lay that down. He's not going to overlook other gods that we have put before him. As our affections for him, and this is what it is, it's, it really comes down to the affections of our heart. If you pursue sin and you're here today like, this is horrible, this is hate speech, how can they be such bigoted people? Then what you're saying is my affections for the sin are greater than my affections for God and his word. Just plain and simple. My desire for myself and for you is that our affections for him would increase and my affections and my acceptance for sin would just vanish. Would vanish. 
And it's not about how we feel about it or how it makes us squirm. It's about our faith in Christ and that you and I would embrace the gospel by living by faith in him, in Christ alone. Amen? Listen, church, I love you. I know this is tough. <laughs> You're telling me. I, I've, I, I saw extra prayer this week from the elders and other people in this church saying, I, this is, I'm, I'm coming to this trembling because of the gravity of the gospel. And to present something that's different than the gospel is to present you with a lie. And it's, to, it's for us to embrace and live a lie. And that is not what God has called us to do. God has called us to love Him first and to draw people and point people and connect people to Him and the gloriousness of His gospel. So where does that leave us? It leaves us with number five. Thanks for hanging in there. You're doing good. Go back to Habakkuk chapter two. The point number five, as we, as we look at this, this point, in the reversal of the created order, people do not rely on God as counsel or do not rely on, rely on God's counsel. And Habakkuk does. And I want us to come back to a, a positive note. He started off by, he, he acknowledged God as God. He said, God, you're God. I don't understand it all, but you're God. And then, then what did he do at the end of this? He said, by the way, I, I'm, I'm going to stand here and I want your counsel on this. In the reversal of the created order, people would live by their flesh, they would relentlessly pursue it, and they would not seek the counsel of God. Here's what Habakkuk says, verse 1 of chapter 2. I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the lookout tower. I will watch to see what he will say to me and, and what I should reply about my complaint. He says, okay, God, I, I've given you my heart. I've expressed what it is. Now I will sit and listen, or I'll stand and listen. I'll watch. I'll wait for your counsel. I will let you speak to me. I won't speak for you. Paul says in Romans, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has seen, or who has been his counselor? who has ever given to God that he should be repaid. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Paul says, listen, he, he's the counselor. He's the one that's going to inform. And we will trust in him because all the glory belongs to him. And going back, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is good news. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Everyone. Every sinner that's worshipped every creature can come to faith in Christ. Why? For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So instead of reversing the created order, let us acknowledge Him as Lord and seek His counsel instead of pursuing our own pleasure and worshiping created things. Amen? All right, let's stand together and pray. Father, sometimes we, we're not sure what we signed up for. But God, we, we know that you have presented yourself as the all-satisfying total package redeemer that is totally sufficient for us so god help us as we understand the gospel more fully to run to you as our full satisfaction for our full 
redemption, for our complete forgiveness, that we would, through faith, trust in you, our Messiah. And God, as we do that, may we let go of the things that we have worshipped. God, we, we all have at times exchanged the glory of God for created things. And God, I, I just pray you would help us to abandon those created things, those creatures, those pleasures, and re-exchange them for you. Because in you we gain everything. God, although this is a hard topic, help us go from here with a desire to, to lift you up and point people to Jesus. God, we're certainly, and you are certainly against things, but God, we want to be known for who we're for and who's for them. God, help us point people away from sin to Jesus. And God, guard our hearts. Help us to reel through this and to have the conversations we need to have to grow to know you more. Got to be satisfied in you more and more day by day that, God, you would increase and our affections for other things would decrease. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are going to close with a song.